What's up, what's up, everybody? It's Danny Green here with my guy and co-host Harrison Sanford. This is Inside the Green Room on NBC Sports Philadelphia. We are excited to welcome the one and only Dal Morey on the show today. Let's jump in. What's good? I'm Harrison Sanford. That's Danny Green, and this is Inside the Green Room with Danny Green, now on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Welcome in uh, to our new audience who's going to follow us throughout the entirety of the season. For those of you who have not been watching or listening uh, to the show, Danny and I have known each other for about 15 years. We've been doing this show for two years straight now. We all know Danny was involved in some potential trade rumors. We're going to talk about that with Daryl Morey later on in the show. Uh, but first and foremost, Danny, I know you're happy to stay on the team. Mm -hmm. But as Daryl's going to allude to, sometimes when you get talent in, you got to send talent out. Uh, I know you're disappointed, in a sense at least, to see D Tony Bradley no longer on the team. Yeah, I'm disappointed to see all those guys go. They're all you know, my guys. You know, I had a, a, a good relationship with Ferg. Uh, ASAP and Vince, you know, and especially Tony, because he's a UNC guy, Carolina guy, sat next to me on the plane, and I got to learn a lot more about him. Um, and he was also balling, man. He worked his tail off uh, to get in great shape and, uh, you know, find a rhythm and, and you know, be a, a big key for us, our success while Joel has been out. Um, so I was happy for him that he's playing well. Uh, and I said, I know Trey's midseason is always not the greatest time. It's disappointing. It sucks. So I was kind of upset and disappointed for him at the same time. But I'm going to miss them. Speaking of uh, UNC ties, uh, I saw the latest news about uh, your endowment or your scholarship that you uh, gave away to the University of North Carolina. Just wanted to know if a brother can hold something real quick. Just... <laughs> I mean, I've gotten that text and that call every every other day, man. Can I hold something? Yeah, a lot of it's going to the school, man. I'm sorry. Um, but no, it was, it was an easy deal. It was an easy decision to make. And it's not something that I, people think that I'm giving in one lump sum. Now, this is over time. Um, it's not like I'm giving away that much money in one, you know, one check, um, but it's a scholarship thing that I'm very passionate about. Um, you know, I love giving back to the community. Obviously, kids who are disadvantaged are coming from areas that we've come from and, uh, you know, give them some type of, you know, resource or some type of outlet or some type of chance uh, to be able to attend schools out of state or a, a university like, you know, North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, so, yeah, man, it's a great cause. And, and Hopefully each year it gets better and better, and hopefully I get a part of the process each year. Well, all the places that you've played, Danny, you've also given back to. Um, and so now that you're playing in Philadelphia, I expect that you'll be giving back to that community as well, especially as we can hopefully get back to some normalcy and things opening up and we can be out in the community uh, like we've been out in other uh, places where we've done the show and where you've played. Uh, part of the reason why you'll be in the community because you stayed past the trading deadline. It was no surprise at least to some, that your name was in some trading rumors. Uh, but you're here, and Daryl Morey is going to talk to us about it when we come back. This is Inside the Green Room. Inside the Green Room is on social media. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Inside Green Room and on Twitter at Green Room Inside. Now back to the show. So what's up, everybody? It's Danny Green here, back with more Inside the Green Room. My co-host, Harrison Sanford, one only, Daryl Morey. Daryl, welcome to the show, man. It's a pleasure. It's an honor, man. Thank you for taking the time out to be on. Um, before we start... I want to thank you for keeping me on the team um, <laughs> after the deadline. And two, I wanted to ask, how much did my ring night come into play when it came to the, the deadline, the trade deadline? How much did you think about me getting my ring before it went down and decided to keep me? Not your ring night, but we for sure talked about the fact that you've won the last two. Okay. And, you know, we're trying to rub that off on the Sixers here. And, uh, no, I, I honestly, I, that is a big thing. I think, uh, you know, players like yourself, it's not an accident that the teams are on win all the time. Like, uh, you know, I, I actually, I hope you'll take this as a compliment, but I 
for me, you remind me a lot, not, not in necessarily your game, but just in your approach and attitude to Shane Battier, a guy who, and I know he went to Duke. So it's like, you know, all the Tar Heel people are turning <laughs> us off now, but someone who just figures out what the team needs and then brings it, you know, if, if it's on the court, you know, we need more shooting, you know, you know, the other night, we need a little more creation. You were even driving in. That's not necessarily your strength, but you know, you did it and it was good. And off the court leadership, uh, you know, Doc had told me about how you stepped up uh, in the huddle a couple of times recently. So you remind me a lot of, of Shane. And actually when I was looking at your background just before this pod, cause I was like, okay, I better like, uh, I better sort of know what I'm talking about. You have like the same record as Shane in college, like Shane. Now you haven't told me, <laughs> Shane would like this. This shows you. You're a quieter. Shane would come to me and be like, "Hey, I got the most wins in history." <laughs> he let you know, uh, huh? <laughs> yeah, he he he's letting me know. I look you up. You have the most wins in North Carolina history. Is that is that right? Shane is the ultimate uh, compliment, man. He's the ultimate an ultimate professional. Uh, has his resume uh, long longer than most people I have known have come across. And in my mind, he was like I said the. the Star in the role, he's the number one guy. One of them, him, Dirk Fisher, Robert Ory, those guys uh, are guys I seek out to try to be like. Uh, but I appreciate you um, thinking you know of you me need, about my you know star. Go ahead, what you got? You know what you need, Danny? You need better, you need, you need better marketing. We need a Michael Lewis story. <laughs> we need a front page New York Times article like Shane got. Shane convinced Michael Lewis that he was an underrated guy when he was picked six in the draft. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the story should have been about you. It should have been about you. You had to fight your way. You went to Europe and back. I mean, you you like you had like the story that uh, is really the one fighting for. It. I agree, man. If you give me that contact, we'll make sure these guys. Go <laughs> That's what I have these guys here for. I appreciate you guys thinking of me. Uh, I said it was a joke, but I I know the ring night didn't come into play. I appreciate you guys keep me. I'm glad I got a chance to get my ring. Um, I appreciate that you guys think that I can help the team and oh. getting it. I didn't even get what you're saying. So you're, yeah. you're right. So if the, trade, if the trade deadline had happened, you would have had to wait longer for your ring. I wouldn't have got it. I would have probably wait a what whole if, year. What if you got into a different team? It might have taken a whole nother year. Oh my yeah, god. Yep. Goodness. Exactly. So oh, I, I was thinking the Toronto whole deadline. The whole deadline. That's all we talked about. How do we make sure? <laughs> how do we make sure that doesn't happen? People told me that you thought you were getting traded yesterday. And I want to ask if that's the case, because the reality is I would have given you a heads up. Like that is something I, there are times when it's hard, like mm -hmm. a team calls like three minutes for the deadline and like shocks you and like whatever it comes together late. But those are pretty rare. Like I, I would have given you a heads up if it had gotten close. But I'm actually curious if you went into the day feeling like, okay, oh my goodness. It's I happening. feel like you, if you, I forgot that you weren't on this trip. Thank you for taking time out. You're on the East Coast right now. It's late of course, there. Yeah, um, yeah. But you weren't on this trip. So I didn't see you. You weren't around. Most of you guys weren't around. All um, of us were here. Yeah. 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 So uh, I got, you know, just my agent, people talking heads up. I thought it was a possibility it would happen. Um, so I wasn't sure. I figured you might, but sometimes it might not happen. So many things happen so fast. And like Doc was saying. Yeah. During these times, it's almost impossible to get to a player first before the media gets it, before it gets yeah, out. Yeah, with, with Woj so. and, you know, everything. It's hard at times, but, you know, it, it, you know, there have been times I haven't been able to, and I hate when that happens, but, you know, I would have liked to have told you early. And yeah. I, I, hate, well, I, I, hate, I hate that you went through that. So but, I wasn't yeah, stressed. So. I wasn't frustrated. I felt very yeah. comfortable where we were. I didn't think we were going to make any major changes because yeah. um, we are doing pretty well. 
Um, that's why I mean, if I was really frustrated or stressed, I think you would have seen it in my play in Golden State game <laughs> or in yeah. the Lakers game, you know, so I wasn't really, I just thought, you know, whatever happens, happens, but I think we're in a good spot. I think we're going to hang on to most people. I think a lot of us just talked, but um, yeah, well, that's a big, that's a big factor. That. People don't get like, I mean, when you're number one in the East and playing at a very high level, um, you know, a trade requires people to go out, not just in. And, you know, that it's a fragile thing. Like, you know, especially like this recent run. I mean, we were obviously humming with Joel and Ben playing and, and just beating the crap out of teams. But when Joel went out, I think we're all like, hey, how's, how's it going to go this time? It didn't go well early. And to have you guys step up and play at this high of a level man. has been uh, amazing. Speaking to of me. Tony, Tony Riley, man, I'm going to miss that. I got a chance, actually, a chance to learn more about him. He went to Carolina, obviously, way after me. Um, you know, I knew much about, but I got a chance to grow a friendship with him. Obviously, Terrence Ferguson as well, Vince, all those guys are my guys. But Tony was playing at a high level for us, man. And um, I'm going to miss him. He was playing Absolutely. great for us. And so, with yeah. Joel going down, um, said it's tough to see some of those guys go. Said, because even though you're bringing guys in, you still have to let guys go out. And Tony um, was balling. Like that one was, was tough. And, and as you know, like sometimes with the trades, it's honestly just like, math like you don't want to give up anybody but someone because of the cap rules you just have yeah. to and then he was unfortunately the one that we really didn't uh well uh, didn't want to include that uh, that sort of had to be in there so but uh yeah tony uh, tony's gonna have a long career he's gonna play like 10 12 years i think uh um you know defense rebounding and way better soft hands on offense than I thought coming in when we made the trade. So. And he's a professional, man, to the fullest. He was a great kid, great coachable kid. And I said, I hope, I hope to see him. I think he'll have a, a good long career in the NBA, and I hope to see him you know, keep like growing. Every tar heel. Like every Tar Heel. Would be nice. Never had any. No issues, no chemistry issues on, on North Carolina. <laughs> Actually, can I tell a story about the trade deadline with Louis? Please, please do. Sure. It's uh, – so Luis was like you, like he loved being at the Rockets. He didn't want to be traded. And he had come from Europe at about 20, 27, 28. And so he came to me like near the trade deadline. He's like super smart like you, like he's, yeah, once his career's over, he's still playing overseas. You know, I see him as a GM or whatever he wants to do, he'll do. He's, he's like you, smart and hardworking and everything. And he comes to me, he's like, Daryl, I don't want to be traded. And I'm so frustrated. And he, you know why? And I'm like, no, no, why? He's like, in Europe, you play great. They're not going to get rid of you. You're playing great, right? But here, you play great. Other teams want you. You might get traded because other teams want you. But if you play terrible, then teams want to get rid of you. So I don't know how to not get traded. He was like, he was like trying to solve the puzzle, like how to never be traded. And I was like, Luis, man, I can't t- like the NBA. It's a little crazier, man. So. Yeah, foreign the foreign guys struggle with that and I talked to a couple of the guys that I've played overseas with about that and it's interesting to their take on it and they're like oh there's a lot of politics in this and like man I don't know how you guys do it or how you and I'm like it's different different organizations I get it but yes if I was to get traded I wouldn't have got my ring and I'm still waiting for my Toronto ring which is almost two years now because I haven't been back to Toronto are you kidding? Oh, because they didn't want to do it in Tampa, huh? Yeah, well, I, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, you got in Toronto, do it in front of the fans in, in Toronto. Do it in the so hands. Yeah. Are you gonna high five through the 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 pit or whatever they what are run they through the it? whole arena in Jurassic Park and everything? Jurassic you know, Park, go, that's it. Yeah, go, go streaking in the whole crowd. You, know? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> uh, well, that's, speak, that's good. Speaking of Danny getting his ring, there's a chance now uh, that he couldn't get a ring with Philadelphia, and part of that 
uh, was due to the trade that was made at the trading deadline, getting George Hill, one of Danny's former teammates. Uh, Daryl, how much did you factor in uh, what Dar- what uh, George can do? And at the same time, maybe some connective fiber that he can give to the team in terms of being a leader, maybe knowing Danny. Did you did you factor any of that in when, when, when you made that decision? Yeah, big time. I mean, I think George is like Danny. He's like a, just a proven guy in this league. And we were mostly worried about his health, which looks like it's going to be in a good place uh, after a little time here. Uh, you know, guys who have like been through the wars and George, you know, hopefully again, Danny will take this as a compliment. You know, we're look. you know, we've got like three studs. We got Tobias, we got, um, you know, Ben and Joel. And when you're looking for those guys to fit in, guys like Danny uh, and George, I think are just invaluable. Like ones who can play both ends, who give the team what they want. Not, you know, they're just focused on one thing, which is, which is winning. And I, one thing I love about the team and I, be curious if Danny agrees with me because I've I've had teams with a lot of young players and whatever. This is one of the first ones with a mix where everyone's just focused on winning. And I think it's because, you know, the young, you know, like most of the guys who uh, are farther in their career have already been paid. So they're not like nervous about it. And then the guys we've added like Danny and George, they've done everything in their career and they know at this point, like it's just about winning. And so we don't have a lot of the, you know, I've had teams where guys were on their rookie scale deal and they're nervous or what, you know, they're going to get a lot or they're in their last year of free agency this year. It's like, everyone's just focused on one thing. You know, that is an interesting thing that you uh, bring up Daryl, because I know obviously a lot of your decisions are impacted uh, by analytics in a sense, but at the same time, uh, how do you quantify chemistry? You might have a guy who's a tremendous three point shooter, but nobody wants to throw the ball to him because he doesn't get along with guys on the team. How do you approach that in free agency and uh, the draft trading deadline when you have to factor in chemistry to the overall success of a team? Yeah. And I would say it's a misnomer. People sort of think like analytics or data means you don't care about chemistry. And I think, uh, you know, I put the track record of the teams I've been on, on anyone like our, you know, our second best working in the league for the last 15 years. Like you can't do that unless you're focused on making sure you have a team that is coherent and works together and are all focused on the right thing. So I think that's a bit of a misnomer that people think that look analytics just means making good decisions with, by using data to help you. And really everyone's like, Oh, I don't, believe in analytics or not but the reality is all it is is like everyone believes in the one analytic which is like do you have a higher score than the other team at the end like that's the most and really all you're doing beyond that is breaking it down like uh, you know is he a strong defender is he a strong shooter you know can he create for himself or others uh you know can he switch pick and roll like all the different things that go into it um all those things are driving back to the final score which everyone can agree on so uh, it's it's and then I would say in terms of like when you focus on chemistry, when I focus on it a lot is now, when you have a team that can win the title, you know if you're trying to add someone at the trade deadline, you know usually I I am a bit someone who goes for talent. I think you know it, it you know everyone knows in this league you got to have the studs to do it. Now we have the studs, so we have the studs. We have good chemistry. This is the time more than any other when you add someone in, you want to make sure that, that they're going to fit. And so our scouting group does a great job background. Doc Rivers is a real asset. He's been an asset in so many ways, but he he's as connected as anyone in the league. 
uh, with getting the real info out there on, on how guys are going to be. So uh, it's a huge focus now. Now, when you're in full rebuilding, which I've been lucky to not have to do in my career yet, uh, I do think you probably need to chase a little more talent and, you know, it's, it, it'll suck. But the reality is you can have a bunch of hard playing guys. And if you win, you know, win 30 games like it, or 35, it doesn't really matter. So yeah. uh, with the analytics, I see, uh, Daryl, you're very excited. I mean, obviously, you love it. Um, I had a question about that for you. Yeah, um, ready. I know that you're full support of it. Um, how do you continue to keep, you know, how, how do you continue to grow enthusiasm for it, but still keep your secrets close to that, like close <laughs> to the chest? Yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, because you know all the teams are competing, right? So mm-hmm. anytime you know one team's doing something that's working, everyone copies. And I think you know Danny's been in the league long long enough. I mean, whether it's even plays on the floor, like all of a sudden everyone's running elevator doors. All of a sudden everyone's <laughs> running double drag, like because you know the coaches are smart and the players are smart. They're gonna they're everyone's gonna copy from each other, and that's true with using data to help make decisions as well. And so a lot of the big low hanging fruit that were there, uh, you know, that Danny's seen the transformation over his career in terms of three point shooting. That's been one of the, that's been one of the real, real obvious one. That's ones that have been out there. Um, And over time, like each of those things, each advantage is getting smaller and smaller and it is hard to, it is hard to stay ahead and the teams are run very well. And, Danny's been on some of the best run teams in the league with Toronto and San Antonio, top of mind, Um, you know, and so, you know, he sees, you know, we're all like learning and chasing each other. And unfortunately that's why it's pretty tough to win in this league. And, uh, but uh, you know, I figured I'd, I do the one analytic, which is, you know, teams that Danny's on win at a pretty high (laughs) percentage. So, so. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. We got to go to break, but when we come back, I want to tap into uh, some of the more artistic flair of Daryl Morey and something that he produced back in his time in Houston. We'll discuss that when we get back with more Inside the Green Room. Be right back. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to more Inside the Green Room. We have Daryl Morey here. Of course, Harrison Sanford and myself. Uh, I know Daryl wanted to ask a question, but before we get to your question, Daryl, I have a question. Obviously, you know, technology is new technology is getting used more and more in our game. Um, how do you see uh, the NBA top shot changing the collectible industry? Yeah, I think it's changing everything. And people are a little confused by like what top shot is, or you've heard non-fungible tokens, NFTs or Ethereum or blockchain. People are very confused by it, but I think you can break it down pretty simple. People know what barcodes are. So re- really all these non-fungible tokens are if you could put a barcode on anything, literally anything, and no one could copy it. It could only go on one thing. That's really all it is. That's that's the the entire and it's it's stored online. And so Top Shot is like they take these moments and they they put a barcode on it and they say you you own a unique version of that. And if you think about it, people have collected. And Danny, I'm sure he's old enough that and has had to move a few times with teams. You know that it sucks. You like got to move. Like oh man, I got my this collection. I got that collection. I got my shoe collection. Like. If you have digital art, boom, don't have to move it. And it, it's unique. It'll be, and people see this as a moment that in a thousand years, you know, they're going to look back and say, you know, I have, I have Danny Green passing to Dwight Howard. Like I do as a top shot moment. And honestly, I guess, so I don't know if you know that Danny. So I, I did not so know that. But that's, we had that's a awesome. game this year. You did, you did your thing. 
went down the lane. You had played with Dwight last year. Yeah. You know, lefty lob to a dunk. <laughs> And literally had the exact same play in the NBA Finals, if you recall. And that's one of the top shot moments. So I grabbed it and tweeted about it. I said, you know, this this is the same exact shot that, that happened. So. Nice, nice. So if you had to choose, what would be our top shot of the season? Oh, that's that's great, actually. We've had some... We've had some we, moments. We We've have. Had some I, have moments. I have one in mind, but there are a bunch. There's a lot of moments, but I wonder what yours is. I may, probably probably Joel's three to send it to overtime for, for Utah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I do like that one. It was that one or the Tobias game winner over the Lakers. At yeah, home. That, was, that was my that was other awesome. one. All right, Daryl, I know you're somebody who's always looking at the game, looking for improvements. And there's something that's grown to kind of frustrate me. And I wonder if it might frustrate Danny as well. Uh, the trade for George Hill is going to give you guys another two-way player, somebody who can play defense, get his hands in passing lanes, help force shot clock violations. Uh, I haven't looked at the stat yet, but you guys have forced a lot of shot clock violations this year. And when you do, for whatever reason, the NBA mandates that a lot of times you end up inbounding the ball as opposed to getting that missed air ball and getting that fast break opportunity. I've seen it happen so many times that I feel like it's almost punishment for forcing an air ball or that shot clock violation that came via air ball, you inbound and now you're playing against a half court defense. How do we, how do we fix this? And is there anything else that you really would want to change? If you turn me on the NBA rules, I may never stop. So <laughs> uh, Danny's been in the league. I love that I'm talking to Danny. He's been in the league long enough. About five years ago or six years ago, they, they actually changed it. Uh, not, not all the way. And they didn't actually write a rule. They just told the refs to interpret it. And they were letting teams go more. Uh, and it, it's like a judgment call for the referee and they were saying, let it go. And then for some reason they flipped and now it's back to what you said, which is like, you know, punishing the team that gets the violation. They should let it go way more often. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I could go forever on, uh, you know, all the messed up rules. Uh, oh, for sure. Steph, I, I could too, but um, it's not as frustrating as it is for you, but it is at times where we might have a break, um, and it's a, the referee will stop it. I think they need to make the judgment call if the air balls, like, no, and we have the ball in possession before or, like, right when the shot clock goes off, then it should, should continue on. But if the shot clock goes off and it's, I guess, maybe still in the air or something like that, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, to put, how they judge it. Um, but if it's still in the player's hand, then, yes, we should take it out of bounds. If he, if he gets it off his hand, I think we should be able to just keep playing on. Um, but I haven't really thought about it as much as you, and that doesn't frustrate as much. But I do get frustrated when we do have a break and the, the, the play does stop, whether it's either foul call, whether it's out of bounds, whether it's a timeout, <laughs> whether it's injury, yeah. or whether them saying, oh, we fouled them back here and we didn't call it till late. Um, that, that's happened to us too. So, um, But, yeah, I think they should let it go more often. Darn Euro fouls kill transition. They're trying um, different rules in the G League. One that I think they should explore, I would explore in the G League, is bringing an advantage to the NBA like they have in soccer. So if if you're driving to the lane, right, and there's a foul off the ball, right, the ref should allow can allow the play to continue. And if you you know if you make a three or do something, like they can they can like let that play continue. And if you get stopped, then they can call the foul that was there, which is which is what they have in soccer. It's a complicated rule, but it would actually solve a lot of things. You wouldn't have the eight minute clear path stops, which are like brutal honestly just like completely brutal maybe good for players 
May, do you like relish the, the extra breaks we get with like, you know, all the reviews and everything, or would you rather have it? Just sometimes, but rather just let it keep playing. Um, sometimes it does help when we're getting up and down quite a bit, but I think a lot of guys rather just keep playing. One nice rule that's just a real simple one that you played with under FIBA is that you can only call timeouts when the ball's already dead. Like the yeah. fact that we can call timeouts under live play if you are, if you control the ball, uh, I don't love in the NBA. I'd prefer that the, the action would just go back and forth until, you know, until, um, until there's a dead ball and then you can add a timeout to it. I do like the fact that we can challenge now. I think we should get one and a half. But I also don't, even when we do challenge, I feel like there's always never enough evidence to overturn it. <laughs> um, well, it's but, sort of a flawed system, too, because it's like the person who made the call is deciding to overturn themselves. That's never a good structure. <laughs> so yeah. I, I believe the league offices said they may move like a lot of that to Secaucus, the replay center. So that I would prefer that like they make a call. The replay center gives a snap answer and then we move on. Which would be, sure. I think, a nice solution. Daryl, you sent this to me. I got a chance to watch some of it, not all of it. It was interesting to me. I, somebody told me about it, brought it to my attention, and I was very intrigued. I did not know that you produced a musical in Houston called Small Ball. And, you know, it was like a play, and, and people, you had the team go there and check it out. What was the, your most favorite part about that process of doing that? Yeah, I, I think it was working and collaborating with the, the composer and the, the lyricist and the book writer, uh, Mikkel and uh, Meryl and Tony. Um, you know, their way, you know, it, it actually made me feel like when I work with NBA players, obviously I have the things, you know, that I'm good at and, and putting together winners is the things I've built my life on. Uh, but when I'm around NBA players, I'm like, you know, I played basketball in high school, but I, I'm basically like, Oh my God, they're like a million times better. It's ama <laughs> amazing to watch them. And when I got to work with some of these really talented uh, art artists uh, and, you know, they waste their time with my ideas and stuff, like it was just an amazing thing to see how they work. You know, just like, you know, you hosting us tonight. I mean, like when I see, when I see people who love their craft and are really good at it, that's when I get, I get excited. I love to see the passion. And uh, yeah, that was my favorite. I think, I think it was, Probably the number one moment is there's there's actually a love song uh, in the in the play uh, that I just think is really beautiful, and we're working on an animated movie for it that uh, you know I can't actually announce, but we have a pretty big star attached to it, awesome. um, and uh, you know maybe we can get Danny uh, in there. I'm all for it, man. I don't know if you know, but I'm a big movie buff, man. That's what I do, and nice, when I'm done, nice. I would love to get into that field or that that space. Um, so I was going to ask you what inspired you. Are you a big movie buff? Is that what inspired you? Like a lot of plays? Um, yeah, I love, I love, uh, I'm big into musicals. That's probably like my biggest thing. So Small Ball is a musical and it's, uh, you know, to, to, for people to know, it's got a crazy premise. It's basically about an island who is not getting respect in the world. So they start a, uh, start a basketball team to, to a FIBA basketball team to get themselves on the map. Uh, and then you find out that it's the actually the island of Lilliput from Gulliver's Travels and everyone's six inches tall. So they they're trying to play FIBA basketball at six inches tall and they hire Michael Jordan to come to the island to play for their team. And when he gets there, they realize they made a huge mistake. It's, it's actually just some other guy named Michael Jordan. So the whole the whole show. They're like, they're like, let's win this game, not the Michael Jordan, because he's not, they're like, they're so disappointed they didn't get the actual Michael Jordan. So 
so anyway that's yeah just to tease it and uh it's uh, it's either going to be in denver or philadelphia next so uh, hopefully we get it we get it here that would be and, nice man. Uh, i think danny's gonna be here for the rest of his you know you're gonna play like Dikembe till you're 46 like <laughs> i hope so man i can only hope so <laughs> you seem like a guy who's just gonna keep playing till they they tear your shoes off right I'm gonna try my I'm gonna try my best to do so, but each year, you know, you say I'm gonna play like 20 years, and then each year is like, oh, man, let's just get through this year, you know. And like, <laughs> I, I might have a couple more left, and so I don't know how some of those guys have done it. Even Dwight's year 17, Bron year 18, you know, Timmy did 20 years, somebody else did 20 years, Vince did 22, um, unbelievable. I said, if and I then can stay the, all the enough, playoff games add even more exactly more to it, right? So yeah. if I can stay healthy enough, yeah, I'm gonna play as long as I can. But uh, I'll tell you year by year. I don't know if I can give you. 46 or you know, you know 10 more years I'm, I'm through year by year hopefully uh, a couple more good ones after this year and then um you know figure it out from there i i have a question i love to hear the answer to because it's always different and interesting to me uh especially from folks who had to fight for it a little more and, I, and you had to fight for it more like you you know you should have been picked higher in the draft you should have made the nba right out of school and probably gotten a role but you didn't and that there's a lot of guys who have that story but when when did you feel like uh, you know, hey, this I may make it here. You know, this may be this may be a long career. Um, I, I thought I could make it like junior in college, but then I didn't know I could stick. I didn't think I could mm -hmm. stick um, until I got to San Antonio, probably my second or third year um, when I cracked the rotation and started starting. Uh, but Pop never let me, he never let anybody feel like they were comfortable or safe. Um, everybody's on eggshells and that's how you get everybody to play hard and do their job to the fullest because at any given moment somebody could take your spot or your minutes will be gone so you have to keep working and stay hungry um, but I would say probably after that 2013 finals I felt like I could have a you know a pretty uh, decent career I, went, I didn't think 20 years but I thought like all right this should have helped me stay another five years at least um, but you know so the Venus Antonio he never let us feel comfortable but um, going to the finals and going back you know twice uh, maybe the year before that, I felt like, all right, I could, you know, I cracked the rotation. Now I could, I could stick in the league for uh, a good number of years. I was about to say, it was going to take you 27 threes in the finals to make you feel comfortable. Hey, Pop, <laughs> hey, if you know Pop, that, that still ain't enough. Uh, so so yeah. you, I have to say you and, and Ferk are my favorite because you'll just let it go, man. Just, <laughs> you're open, let that thing go, man. It's, uh, I, I love it. I love Ferk too, man. He's one of my favorites too. True or false? You guys discovered Tobias Harris at a Danny Green camp. Is that is that I accurate? wouldn't say we discovered him. Um, Tobias, I've known Tobias since he was young, and um, he's a lot younger. I wouldn't say a lot younger, but he's younger than me. But I watched him grow up. When I was older, he was younger, and I used to referee when I was younger too. So uh, I know some of my uncles, my dads, and I would referee some of you know the games, the younger kids' games him, his brothers, you know, and they would be in the town, you know, playing youth league games. So, um, but he never went to anyone. I don't think he did. He went to anyone at camps. Maybe his younger brothers did, um, but he was not discovered at my camps. But yes, I watched Tobias grow up. I did, you know, when he was young, maybe referee. Uh, my uncle's my referee at a game or so, um, but he was not at anyone at camps. He never attended one of my camps. I saw a video today of him at Team Green Camp. Maybe, you might, maybe, maybe he was a counselor. He might have stopped in and do the cameo. He, you know, he might have just stopped by, said hello, or he might have was going to give a lecture or something like that. Because I came to do a lecture at his camp one summer. Um, so he might have just stopped in to, to, you know, be a guest speaker at the camp that day. So, um, yeah, I don't know what year that was, but I have to look that up. 
Speaking of Tobias, are, are you as impressive as I am? And he reminds me of some players I've had in the past too. Like he's like elevated his game like every year shoot. in the league. In the league, and like like he said, and I sort of ingest on Twitter last night. Tobias does come like it's like every night. You're like you know what you're getting, yeah. and it's good, and it's it's very rare in this league because it's hard because people guard you different. They'll put different defenders on you. 82 games, man. He's a machine. And I said, he's impressed me a ton this year. Um, and I, I was really disappointed for him, the fact right. that he didn't get what he deserved and that was being an all-star because he was an all-star for us and in this league. Um, but he's still on a nightly basis, regardless if he was named or not, is playing at all-star level for us. And the reason why we've stayed above water and won games without Joel, without Ben, and without all other guys, you know, playing and being hurt, Seth, um, it's because of 12. And, um, you know, he's been that guy for us all year consistently, um, you know, night in, night out, and taking care of his body, doing it at an ultimate professional level. He said he's just a machine. Daryl, I know you asked Danny how long did he plan in staying in the league. And before we uh, head out here, Danny's been doing a lot outside of just uh, basketball, but he's been doing things involved with basketball, for example, the show. And then he also... Um, him and some other childhood friends put together high school basketball tournaments or high school basketball showcases. And so I participated as a volunteer for one uh, back in 2019, I think it was, Danny, the Battle in the Apple in Madison yeah. Square Garden, a bunch of high school teams coming from all over the country to play. And they got a, a recording artist, Sheck West, to perform right after the dunk contest, I believe. And I remember... I'm Danny's friend, so I'll help out any causes that he's doing, but I had to help fill out the writer for Sheck West. And the writer consisted of, uh, you know, the things that they have in their, in their room, their VIP room before they perform. I had to go out there and get 20 bags of M&Ms. I had to get paper towels and all of these random things. And you know how these artists do sometimes, they just have a lot of things that you have to get before they perform. There are some other things I had to purchase that cannot be put on air as well. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if you were to have a big performance, let's say you were going to be on stage for a small ball, or maybe you are getting prepared for an NBA finals game as an executive, what would be on your rider? So if I'm about to perform and go on stage and rap, then you know, obviously I'm gonna do a lot of junk food, sweets, maybe some sandwiches, cookies. You know, the M&Ms might be a, a big hit. Um, but yeah, things will get me in my zone, you know, whatever it is, you know, with listening to some other music, listening to some certain types of, you know, or watching some shows or watch whatever it may be uh, to get me in that zone. But uh, I definitely am a junk food sweets type of guy. Um, I've been trying to cut back. Um, it's gone. It's gotten, it's gone. Okay. But, uh, it's not great, but yes, I, I'm a, I'm a big junk food sweets type of guy. So we're going with M&Ms. Yes, I'm with them. Okay, thank okay. you. I said, I sadly would. Does Chick Fil A count? Can I? Can I go sure. Chick Fil A? For sure. Okay. I just, <laughs> I uh, sad, sadly, I qualified for the vaccine sooner than I should because uh, they got the uh, they got the the BMI one, which is a nice one to say you're if you divide your uh, height by your weight, it's not a good number. So, <laughs> so yeah, so did not know so, about that. Yeah. Yeah, well, you qualified too, Danny. I don't know. Okay. If you, I don't oh, know if you got it yet. Did you get it yet? Soon. They're setting me up. As soon as we yeah. get back, I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting yeah. vaccinated. Man. I think I think most of the team, which is good, make sure to guard for the playoffs. You know. Yeah. Yes, and on that note, we definitely wish everybody who's uh, tuning in or listening, be healthy, stay safe, wear your mask. The faster you wear your mask, get a vaccine shot if you can. The faster we can all go back to potentially celebrating in Wells Fargo Center. 
Uh, Daryl, I want to thank you for your time. DJ, you know what time it is. Yes, uh, we'll see you guys next for another episode of Inside the Green Room right here on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Any last words, Danny? Read, rate, subscribe, review, all the good stuff, man. Daryl, once again, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you. 